0: Please stick around to the end of the show and we will share how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes or so. In the meantime, let's go. Okay, welcome everybody to the Brand Ford Leadership Podcast. I'm Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the branding evangelist. Every now and then I come across someone who immediately just touches my soul and my spirit. And that is my guest today, Richard Blank of the Costa Rica Call Center. I I can't even introduce this guy because I'm so excited to have him here. And I'm just going to let him introduce himself and tell you all about who he is and what he does. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm so happy to be here today, Jerry. Thank you so much. I can't wait to share ideas with your audience and have a really good time.
0: Thank you so much. Richard, give everyone an overview, sort of a 50 foot overview of of exactly what your company does.
1: Well, we work with inbound and outbound support. I have bilingual agents here that cater towards the United States, Canada, and some of Europe. The agents here are once again, college educated, a bilingual and dedicated agents. So they only work on one campaign. Certain verticals we have, Jerry, I work with law firms and movies and music, transportation, real estate, travel, so there's a lot of different things we have here, and it's it's not really about fulfilling the client's needs. I want to make sure that I can fill the agent's needs so they don't leave and love their work.
0: So how does that work? So when you say inbound and outbound, sort of educate our listeners and viewers, if you would, please.
1: Of course. I mean, you've seen in the movies before what a boiler room, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Wolf of Wall Street environment is, and some call centers are like that, but a lot of your audience, and they may know a lot of people that have worked in customer support and have worked in places where they make and receive calls. So it's really just a little bit more of the infrastructure and resources that we have, which differentiates ourselves from someone working in a small office or out of their home. But all of us have called into a call center before. And the difference is, did you have a positive or a negative experience? Now, Jerry, I promise you this, and if it happens, we can't be friends anymore, but my company will never call you during dinner. That's not the sort of uh, projects that we have here. As I say, we do a lot of inbound support for certain clients, and then the ones that we do prospecting are usually towards business to business with qualified lists, and we make those sort of introductions and setting up appointments. And so, as I say before, my friend, it, it, we do nothing here to compromise any sort of ethics, values and morals, or what you've seen on TV. Uh, these are very good livings for people. They can earn more than most vocations in Costa Rica. So I do have people here with certain degrees that you would think they'd be in their respected fields. But if someone is very talented on the phone, Jerry, they can earn more than pretty much an attorney or a doctor in Costa Rica.
0: Oh my goodness when you mentioned glengarry glenn ross that's one of my all-time favorite films that scene with jack lemon in the phone booth where he's trying to close that sale close that deal on that condo or whatever that property was i think for a lot of people when it was
1: rancho rio and you could give me this listen i'll I'll make fifteen thousand dollars in two hours can you
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so This is so great to have you here because there's a lot of, I think, uh, false information, bad intel, false news, if you want to call it that, about, quote, unquote, telemarketers that they interrupt our meals, that all they're trying to do is sell something that we don't need or don't want. So kind of put everyone at ease. Let's, Let's break down some of those stereotypes that you are not, my friend. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure, of course. Well, the first thing is since I'm in a position of leverage and I'm a CEO of a 150 seat call center, I have the ability to hire or fire make or break. And I've decided to do the former. And so empathy is very important for me, Jerry, because if nobody shows up, I have no friends and there's no birthday party. So it's very important for me, especially on the first day, is to put in perspective that what they have done by walking into my call center bilingual first bears the mark of higher education, but secondly, it's 10 times harder than what they're about to do. And secondly, since they have invested their youth in English as I have my youth in Spanish, I understand the importance of vocabulary, not just dichos or expressions. I emphasized the thesaurus so they can learn more similes to be able to expand their vocabulary and to be able to be more descriptive and understood. And so these are the sort of soft skills and the sort of environment and the culture that I've created where they see additional value at being at this call center compared to just taking any other job. So I want them to get a return on investment in their English. But secondly, I want them to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living because I'm in a very strict Catholic country and they have choices. And I do compete, Jerry, against the big boys. Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle is here. But what could be many differences that I have besides the technology and the equipment. I know your name. I'll break bread with you. I believe in a gamification culture. So I'm a collector. I'm an avid collector actually of Ricola jukeboxes, pinball machines and retro arcade machines. So I've created a neutral positive environment where agents can meet other people from other departments. They can let off steam and recharge batteries or, or how about this, Jerry? Instead of you coming into my office where I grill you, why can't we go downstairs and play 15 minutes of pinball and talk about your, and talk about your call? So I, I find that this happy medium has increased the morale of my call center. So that's, that's the difference of how I would run a company compared to others. I start from the inside out. I start with the people. And all I want to do is delegate and promote them.
0: That is outstanding. And you're, you're, touching upon the theme of of my show here which is brand forward leadership because branding in this in its purest sense is not only setting yourself apart but it's also being authentic and being able to connect with your audience in such a way where people are moved by you to want to talk to you or meet with you and so on and so forth so oh, in terms of your outbound cause as well as the inbound is it primarily, you, you mentioned setting appointments, is that what you primarily do? Or do you also provide customer service, technical support, kind of give us an overview of that?
1: Well, absolutely. Well, the inbound call could be an existing client or a brand new client. So these agents handle that. And there's something called a queue where the okay. calls go in to, we make sure we have workforce management to staff it accordingly. If there is overflow, we look into that on the queue and to see what we can do in order to reduce that. Now the outbound phone calls, if you have a moment, I could actually walk you through the structure of how I would do a phone call, which may assist those that are trying to build their business. And I can give you through the steps if if you give me a minute. Oh, let's
0: play. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Thank
1: you so much, Jerry. Well, listen, let me just rip open my scalp here and I'll give you some secret sauce.
0: All right. Listen to you, you're a branding guy. I love it.
1: (laughs) Jerry, my good man. I believe that the average attention span is 30 seconds to two minutes. So let's just use that as a base. Okay. okay. Every conversation has an introduction, a body and conclusion. It could be a 10 minute call that way and also split up into thirty-second to two minute intro body and conclusions. Okay, good. We have that structure. We're making an outbound phone call. I'm calling into the brand forward leadership. Company, right? So immediately when let me ask you a question, Jerry, do you have any some do you have anybody that works there with you that may answer the phone or an associate or an assistant at your company? It uh,
0: depends on what number you're calling, but if you call myself, you're going to get a hold of me.
1: Okay. But if, if there's somebody that's
0: working. Number, yeah, you would get someone else, yes.
1: And what is that individual's name that works with you?
0: Her name is Era, A-R-A-H. She is my marketing director.
1: Perfect. I call your company. ERA answers the phone. Hi, brand forward leadership, ERA speaking. I go, how's brand forward leadership doing today? So I'm not asking how I is doing today. I'm asking how your company is doing today. Naturally, she's doing well. And your company's well, let,
0: doing- Let me stop right there because brand forward leadership is my podcast. My company is Jerry Foster Branding, but that's okay. I, okay, um... we'll let
1: Jerry Foster Branding even better. I'll say Jerry Foster Branding, how's it doing today? I would say, we're doing great, thank you. I'm using my anonymity in the beginning. I'm not anonymous the whole call, Jerry, that's kind of shady. But in the beginning, the first impression I give is saying the name of the company better than your top assistant. (laughs) And so this individual likes me. And so obviously I got their attention. And usually they'll ask me the first question, what is your name young man? And that is the buffer boomerang technique. What I'll do is I'll buffer the question And I will say, hey, that's an excellent question. Once again, my name is Richard Blank. So I take what you say, I show active listening, I repeat your question back, I name drop you, and then I boomerang it back as a plus two. Buffer boomerangs can happen throughout the entire calls. So just that's a great way to respond to somebody. So then Ira is very happy with me. I answered her question. I'm asking to speak to Jerry. She would love to transfer me. And I'd say, listen, I just want to let you know that when you transfer me, I'm going to let Jerry know how great you were. That's a positive escalation. It's giving a gift. So now I get transferred to Jerry. Jerry says, hi, this is Jerry. I go, Jerry, I just want to let you know your are She's incredible. You still don't know who I am. I'm still doing the company name spike in the positive escalation. Now you're happy and you go, yeah, she's the greatest. What is your name? another boomerang jerry i'm so glad you asked once again my name is richard blank so then we started the conversation everything's great jerry loves me and so what i want you to do in the middle of the call when you're explaining your services what i do a b and c and d i don't suggest desert pitching because there's no oasis there all you're doing is running and you have no way to get the positive or negative reinforcement or gauging the interest levels. And so I I think everything that you suggest to the client should be taken as a dessert tray. Each one gets its own demonstration and you get to gauge the reactions. And so instead of going something that you would consider would be horizontal, now it turns into vertical and you can start stacking questions. So when I give you A, B, C and D, I will go through each one. You liked A, wasn't sure of C, D or E, that's fine. I will continue with A. And i'll stack those questions great so then what happens in the middle of the call the body i still don't know you very well and i don't know when to interject or when to speak we have a technique here jerry it's called phonetic micro expression reading people like to read body language but since we're over the phone we're in a controlled environment where we lose three of our senses our taste touch and smell The scientists say that when you lose one or more of your senses, the other ones expand. So I would expect you to be doing much more active listening. But then you say, Richard, what about the sight? I don't see anybody. I'd say, Jerry, my man, quite the contrary. There's some metaphysics there. You know perfectly well that when you read a book, it's 10 times better than a movie because of your imagination. I would expect you to expand on your adjectives and your descriptions to people. And so by doing so, we can enhance that sort of phone call. So we're in the middle of the call, right? And Jerry's speaking at a certain rate and as loud at a certain rate, if you happen to do a spike or a dip in regards to your speed or your pitch, I may be asking you a tie down question. Does it sound good? Make sense? Or possibly a clarification question. Hey, Jerry, for my clarification, was it ABC or one, two, three? These are the sort of falling on the sword soft skills to avoid any sort of rabbit holes, show active listening, move the conversation forward. So I'm stacking, I'm micro phonetic expression reading, I'm tie down and clarifying, right? But what happens in the middle of the call when there's a dog, uh, a dog barking? We do these Zoom calls, people were working from home. What I would do is inadvertently and passive-aggressively say, hey, Jerry, I love dogs, right? And you're like, yeah, the dog's barking and killing the call. I would follow it up by saying, yo, Jerry, what is the name of your dog? And you would say, Fluffy. Great. Why don't you put Fluffy outside? I I can wait. Take your time. So then Jerry comes back, right? Fluffy's outside. And instead of anchoring in my pitching and positive escalations and closing you, no, no. That's the moment I take a couple extra minutes to talk about your dog and I anchor in there. And and that's usually when the client will say, excuse me, young man, what was your name again? Jerry, I'm so glad you asked. Once again, my name is Richard Blank. And now you're name dropping me the rest of the call. And so that's the connection we have. And, And now, Jerry, we're in the conclusion of the call, right? And after I gave you the list of stuff and I say, I'm sure you like at least one, you know, and you like the one and we stacked it. Now we're at the end of the call. I'll recap what we spoke about. Remember, Jerry, you liked A. What about B, C, or D? Oh, I like D. I just raked you again. And since you have me on the phone, why don't you ask me a couple more questions? It's just a double check, but I'm still not done. I like to review your information with military alphabet. Why? Because it's the cleanest form. And instead of ending the call, there's a very good chance you and I will continue talking about someone that you know that served, you might've served, my family served. And it's just a wonderful way to wrap up the call, but I'm still not done because once we finish that call, I'm gonna write you a letter and in that positive escalation, I'm gonna mention this amazing individual that has worked with you, that assisted me to get to you. And I'm still not done because when I call you back again, the Richard circle is, I'm gonna be speaking to this associate of yours for the second time. And they're gonna tell me Richard in 10 years, no one has ever written, About me like that. And so that is the Richard Circle tied up in a bow. That's a perfect five-minute controlled conversation with 30-second to two-minute intervals. And I think you and your audience will do exceptionally well with those skills.
0: Woohoo! My go, bravo! My
1: You got my best.
0: (laughs) You are a master and your brilliance just rises to the top in your choice of words. I can see why you're so successful. Richard, tell everyone about your story. How did you? You're the most interesting guest I've ever had. How did you? How did you get to this point? What, what's your story? Well, this going is even
1: on the yet? more fun story, the pre-business, Richard. Let's go way back. Yeah, Let's so go take, back to Northeast Philadelphia. Yeah, take us
0: back more. to Philly, buddy.
1: Yeah, man. I I graduated Abington High School in 1991. I'm a very proud ghost. And when I was 18 years old, all of my good friends and all of my peers, they were going to Ivy League, they were going to college, and they were studying medicine and law, engineering and architecture. And I didn't know what to do. But I did know that my favorite class was in Spanish. I got a college recommendation letter from the late principal Norman Schmidt and my Spanish teacher Esperanza Galshack. And they said Richard go 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 obviously you love it and it will do something for you, and so I chose the University of Arizona, because of their communication and language programs, I was a bi major. I did Spanish and I also studied communication, where it was public speaking rhetoric and nonverbal communication. I spent my junior year abroad in Spain Now, i'm not talking one semester. I did two semesters, I did August until June, and I did not come home during Christmas break. I had a walkabout, I did a vision quest. I met 50 people a day with five minute conversations from all over the world. I went as far east as Prague, as far north as Amsterdam, far south as the pink palace on the island of Corfu in Greece, and I also dabbled in Tangier, Morocco. So imagine sleeping on the trains at night to save some money and time going to youth hostels. But here's the skinning. When I was 21 years old, everyone says, hey, Richie, let's go to the bars, let's go to the beach, let's get wasted. I go, Jerry, I'll see you in a couple hours. I want to go check out this museum and do something first. I'll party with you. But I might have to go by myself to see these things, like the Louvre, or the Peggy Guggenheimer in Venice, or the Prado in Madrid, or Charles Bridge in Prague. There's always the party. You guys aren't going anywhere. But I made sure to go to these places and sometimes it was by myself. And so those are the sort of things that changed me. And then when I came back, I interned for Telemundo. So I got some work experience my last two years in college. I did promotions and public relations. Post-grad, I worked for the importers of Corona Beer. So it was always fun. It was always promotions and it was always in Spanish. And then at 27, I had the chance to come here. And, you know, when that barn door is open, that horse is gone. We'll catch you next week. This is my home. And it's been this for the last 22 years, Jerry.
0: Wow. That is quite a story, my friend. And I want to acknowledge you for the difference you're making in Costa Rica because you're providing career opportunities for a lot of people. How big is your team? How big is your staff? How many, should I call them telemarketers? What's the proper word to use?
1: And, and that's fine. And I will definitely break that down for you. Besides giving employment. Oh, no, no. You and I are feeding families. Mm-hmm. And we're also a guest in this country. And oh, I follow God. not only their labor laws, but I've learned their language their customs and their culture and their traditions. And I respect that. And so that's why I've been embraced. But no, let's let's Show the structure of a call center. You have multiple departments. You have an IT department. I have a chief technical officer that's been with me for 10 years. And this man grew from the ranks. He started off as an agent. And during the last 10 years, he's been studying Cisco. And when the opportunity arose, of course, he was being promoted. Yeah, but bring in a specialist. That's why he's a specialist, in case I need him. But the one guy that's here, that's my rock, that's earned it that sort of promotion, because that's what he's studying in school. It was my pleasure to offer that position. My general manager has been with me for 12 years. And this individual lived in the United States for a while in New Jersey. So it was easy for us to get along as well, but no, 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 they earned their stripes. And and during COVID, there were times where people I expected to step up to the plate that disappointed me. So, And, and some freshmen or people that were just amazing agents showed me character. and and, and resilience. And so they became promoted. But now there's about a 10 to 15 to one supervisor to agent ratio. And amongst those agents, I find team leads because they are capable of being molded and guided into being future supervisors. And so little bit, I, I will delegate a report a training, a coaching session, maybe help me write a script so they can dabble in what it would be like to be an executive and to see what sort of uh, feedback and work that they do. And it's done on merit because I love promoting males, females, any age. You could be brand new first day or been with me for 10 years. But if you have the certain skill set that I'm looking for, I will put as much wind as I can in your sails and see how quickly I can promote you. And so the HR department is important because once again, we're willing to bend and give second chances, but if you're breaking the labor laws, there is nothing I can do for you. So that is taken into consideration. Um, Every department's important. I believe in synergy, which means all parts Work together for the common good in the whole and as much as you think that when we celebrate a birthday and i'm cutting cake for someone that's been with me and it's all the supervisors guess who else is invited with that the, the person that's been cleaning the office you know the, the individual that makes sure this place is spick and span they're invited to those as well i don't know if the word is janitor or creator or whoever you want to put it but the guards the people that work in our diner, the ones that clean this place and take care of this place are just as important as me. And so when we break bread together, it's not about uh, seniority levels and titles. These are individuals that are coming together, that work here together, that stand together, get the same slice of cake as one. Don't give me the bigger slice. I don't want two scoops. I get the same as Everybody else, and please serve me last so everybody can have theirs first. And that's what I do. And when people come back to work the next day and they can recharge their batteries here, Jerry, so they can, they can confront any challenges that they might have outside of the office, then I've done my job. Because as I mentioned, these young men and women take care of their grandparents and their parents. They have bills to pay. My friend, I hold that so sacred, you have no idea.
0: You know, and thank you for sharing that because you're hitting upon something that lies at the core of Grand Ford leadership. And that is, who are you being? And we can talk all day about what we're doing, which is important, but what drives what you're doing is who you are. I mean, I'm seeing such such an honorable person who cares and gives and serves and leads and delivers. Tell us more about you in terms of your thoughts, your philosophy around what a true leader in your space, or maybe some other industries as well, where we can focus on your space, how that person should show up because there's, there's some real lessons and kernels here from you on this whole thing about how to stand for brand forward leadership. What are your thoughts on that?
1: If you can't settle on yourself and make yourself balanced and focused, how could you expand and assist others? Mm -hmm. So what's very important for me is my own me time. I wish I had the discipline to do Eastern meditation, but I don't, but I have other things that I do that enables me to decompress any sort of distraction and stimulation by putting the phone away. There are three things that I do every week that I have to do. I have to wake up every day at 5.30 and hit the gym. So I'm in there for about two hours. So I feel good about myself and and can get my thoughts. I also love washing my convertible car on a Sunday. So I enjoy that as well. And I do pinball marathons. And so when I do these things, it in orders my mind to expand and then I can put things in perspective. And so things I might have overreacted to or did not react enough, it enables me to think about it and to go over it again. And so asking me what I do to prepare myself to come in every day, first as I drive to work in a convertible, listening to 80s music, you have to do that. But um, I come here at the ready because my roots and my branches are stable. So as long as I'm cool and I have my center, I can once again extend that sort of attention and energy to others, but I am human. There are certain days where, you know, uh, there are things back 3000 miles away at home that I can't get to immediately. And so that are things that I think about, but also at my age right now, I, I do realize Jerry that I do have responsibilities here and it's not just about me. And so I am capable of balancing the two and i have some wonderful people here not just supervisors but agents but everybody that i can take a second sit down with and just chit chat and it doesn't have to be personal but just by me venting or listening to what they do it enables me to recharge my batteries there's only so much i can give out in fact i'm gonna have to eat two lunches jerry to get this Energy back from this podcast interview we're doing today. So you kind of see my energy level, and sometimes I need to get it back. And so maybe I'm cashing in, Jerry, my man, maybe I'm cashing in on all those 10 times I motivated you. Maybe you need to do Richard Go, Richard Go on a rainy Wednesday with me. And that's just pretty much the relationships that we have.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. And you have, without a doubt, created what I'll call a a leadership brand from the standpoint of that you are showing how to be the leading brand in your space without a doubt. I mean, that's right. There's, there's much, there's much genius and wisdom to glean from you, but I'm curious though, tell our viewers and listeners about maybe the three most viable lessons that you have learned since creating your business 22 years ago. It could be the, the bad breaks, the setbacks. It could be the speed bumps, the hiccups, whatever whatever that is for you that you feel could really help those who are tuning in how to be a leadership brand like you.
1: I'll give you three answers. The client, the agent, and myself. How does that sound?
0: Okay. Okay. Go ahead.
1: I would prefer if the client called me that they'd first judge me on merit, not price. I could recommend 10 places to do at half my price. That's number one. I want them to follow the labor laws because we do things ethically here. And this is the way that I was raised by my grandparents. So there's no wiggle room on something like that, right? And then I would like for them to have realistic expectations and to go over real metrics because as much as you want to reverse psychology and motivate me. I'm also an expert in the call center industry. So if he's give me certain sort of numbers and metrics and expect me to make 20 calls an hour when there's an average five minute talk time on 12 calls, it's not gonna happen. I can't increase time. But on the flip side, and I hate to do this, but sometimes Jerry, I gotta take them to school. I'll start asking them questions to see if they qualify. And when I compare apples with my infrastructure and resources, And my experience, it's more of a consulting call on my end than a sales call on their end. And I usually gain the business from an educated point of view. Being forthright, I will lose some business in regards to budget because people go offshore to India and the Philippines. So that's what I had to learn with my clients. As much as I want to grow and earn the business, I also turn down twice as much than I accept because I'm very selective of the campaigns that come in here, not for the client. I can fulfill any need. It's really for the agent because if they're not satisfied, they're gonna quit. That's number one. Now on the agent side, what I had to learn, and and this is more of a a cross-cultural sort of thing. I can easily express myself and so can they in English and Spanish. But let's just say, my man, there's a code red, something where it's not even on the phone, something's happening off the phone at home or in their lives that are really becoming a train wreck. First, we don't cause a scene on the floor. Second is I'll bring them into an office. I will let them explain themselves in Spanish and then do it in English so they can do native tongue, home court, away court. Then I get to English and Spanish back so we can crisscross the 95% similar, 5% potential misunderstood right? So now we're super good to go. If it's super, super code red, I bring in my floor manager to speak for me, you know, because it's their native tongue. So I just want to make sure that a everyone calms down. Because if you've been with me for years, I am not going to let you do pull Jerry Maguire and just quit. I'm going to fight for this individual. And I will also, and this is a cross-cultural thing as well, I'm going to put some Philly guilt on you. I'm going to let you know, hey, Jerry, You know, you're better than this. Last week you ripped five in a row. What's going on today? And you're also out of character. Where's Mr. Smiling? How come you didn't say good morning to me when you passed me in the game room when I'm playing pinball? What's going on today? And so I will hopefully be able to readjust them and work with them. And so that was one of the things in the beginning where if I felt like I could do some Philly thing on them or possibly understand where they were coming from because they were speaking it in English, That's a huge misinterpretation. I have to give them the benefit of the doubt to speak exactly how they feel most comfortable. And then finally, for myself, expectations. Fortune favors the brave. I'm more disappointed than I am angry. Why? Natural attrition. Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. Jerry, I will lose people because of schedule closer to their home, their boyfriend or girlfriend is working there. I don't know, you got 10,000 agents compared to my 150. So there's a lot of flexibility there. And so you'll never get somebody leaving because I defaced you on the floor, embarrassed you, did not prepare you nor pay you. But this is, this is what hurts. And, I, and it's okay if you wanna move on, expand, because while you're with me, my goal is to give you self-reliance and self-confidence so you can be better. My, my ultimate goal is to be less boss you have. But, but working with me with these skills, if you have a chance to make more money and grow at some huge company or, or just have something you studied in college you can move on from, that's my pleasure. As other bosses I've had in the past put wind in my sales to get me here today. As I mentioned Telemundo, they were incredibly influential in me in college. But what upsets me most is if you've been with me for years, and you and I started strong and we're having a great run, all of a sudden I don't get a two weeks notice, which is a surprise to my client. I gotta find somebody quick. You could have at least walked into my office and said, Richard, just wanna let you know this has been wonderful. I appreciate everything. I don't need for you to kiss my butt. I didn't ask for that or a swan song, but my goodness gracious, after 12 pizzas, me promoting you, training you, you just can't even say goodbye. And so that's the sort of thing that disappoints me. And I've had people walk into my office and look in my eye and give me a handshake. And then I bump into them at the mall a month later with their family. And it's great. We talk about where they're going, but it's the ones that just disappear. They, they weren't raised well enough to look somebody in the eye and just say, thank you. And I'm old school and I'm cool with that. And so my good friend, if anything or nothing, that's the one part that empathetically does from time to time, surprise and disappoint me. Wow,
0: I, I, I totally get that, I totally get that. I wanna switch gears and talk about your clients for a moment because I've been in the branding industry for 30 plus years. I like to tell people I started when Jesus was wearing sandals and dinosaurs were roaming the earth. So, like you, my friend, I have a lot of experience and a lot of exposure. And and I've been down the quote unquote telemarketing path myself. And one of the one of the I'm I'm not going to use the word complaints, but one of the concerns that I have found from the client perspective when we work with quote unquote outbound telemarketing companies is: are they getting appointments that are bonafide appointments, meaning they fit the profile of the kind of prospect that we're looking to speak with and meet with as opposed to a suspect. I'm sure you get the distinction. And then number two, are they, are they not only bonafide, but are they going to keep the appointment? <laughs> okay. And then number three, is this person that we're meeting with someone that we're supposed to be meeting with in terms of whatever that criteria is? is that we both agree to. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you said something interesting that was, that was really good about the metrics and the expectations on the part of the client versus you. And I, I, I once told a telemarketer, and I said, listen, there is a difference between activity and results. Okay. So if someone says, well, this is what we are charging hourly, and you, you make calls, you do what you do, but what ends up are suspects, not prospects. They're not bona fide leads, they didn't even keep the appointment and on and on and on, but yet you still wanna be paid for your activity. You see where I'm going with this? And you're so I'm wondering, how do you balance this? Because you are a, a high level brand. I see that, you're, you're about quality. And so you've got these agents that are working for you and you've got the client and you've got, you know, you've got to bring those two worlds together. Give me your thoughts about that, please.
1: Perfect. I think I got all of your answers up here. So I'm going to go through one by one. Let's start with the last one you did. We have a I knew
0: you could handle
1: <laughs> dedicated hourly center. So I don't do a blended mix, paper call, paper minute or paper conversion or paper okay. performance. And so what you're risking there is a very large attrition rate and ramp up times because you might have agents that just don't want to work on that campaign. But, it, you know, a lot of call centers will take a paper performance campaign, hire their own agents and run that risk and just get paid on what gets turned in and converted. Now, on my end, in regards to assuring that the appointment is qualified, I, I, I can't guarantee that the person's going to be there. We can talk about that in a minute. But we have a QA and a QC department, quality assurance or quality control. And what happens is there's things called KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Besides the soft skills, which I was mentioning earlier, which are very important to build rapport and convert calls, you're asking me to see if these calls are qualified. So I might go through at least a minimum of 20 sort of sections of confirming your name, confirming your company, email addresses, appointment times, Do you do X amount? Could you see doing this? So there's certain things you have the experience in. So if the client, if you're saying wants to pay for that lead, if someone doesn't pick up, at least the agent at this paper performance center can back, and I've seen this, they can back it up with the recording by saying, Jerry said he's interested. He does one, two, three, ABC. He confirmed locking in on Thursday. I'm good. I'm cooling. And so that's one thing we can do on our end. To assure the appointment, my suggestion would be to take an extra time to do some due diligence. So after qualifying this individual, we did mention positive escalation and writing them. So maybe we take a little bit more time to custom make that email to remind them about the appointment that's coming. You can make the phone call and remind their assistant or once again with this rotting the wave and this momentum and fire sizzle, you're continuing this conversation that you've had earlier to that. Now, claiming that some people are just turning in bad leads. Well, I've seen bait and switch before. When we were doing real estate campaigns and they were mentioning a 3% commission, when we would call back, they're like, no, no, Richard said 1%. Not really, here's the recording. (laughs) You did mention 3%. And um, so sometimes people will want something or they weren't active listening or they say, oh, didn't you call me last week? No, no, this was the first call. And if they're, let's say using real estate for an example, they probably get a lot of phone calls if their house is on the FISBO. So they may confuse me with another Richard that offered another program. And so that's why when we back it up with these recordings, if we have specific structure with our client to ensure that the minimum of qualifying questions would be in there for the lead to be qualified, we would listen to the recording to ensure that the agent properly represented your company in the best light, did the soft skills we discussed, the buffer boomerang, the other advanced techniques I mentioned, but but making sure it's not just a hedging, yesing conversation to get you off the phone. And these are the sort of things, as I mentioned before, instead of making a hundred calls a day, Jerry, they're making ninety to ensure that that extra couple minutes will qualify that lead, or and it's not even qualifying the lead. 10 guys call you to get the lead. I'm the only one that put, mention Fluffy on the call. (laughs) Mention your assistant on the call. And then they're wondering why your conversions are much better than the nine other people calling. Because you're showing this good faith prior to any sort of contracts. And so I don't know how to give you a special sauce. Most of this is just common sense. But I think if you show courtesy and manners and being very attentive, and I think you will have a much better structured communication pattern with those with whom you're speaking. Mm-hmm.
0: And I totally agree with that. And I think your secret sauce is that unique blend of how you bring together all of the, all of these elements that are part of the Richard Bland DNA. It really, that, that's really what's speaking to me here because you, my friend are a true thought leader. I mean, you have wisdom and perspectives and you know what works and doesn't work in this industry and I love that. I'm curious though, this is kind of a a selfish branding question. Does your branding capture all of this uniqueness about you? If I went to your website, if I saw you online, would I see about, this is what sets us apart from other call centers?
1: There's a huge difference between a print and a painting and you know that, (laughs) by getting me on this phone call, you're catching me raw and in character, not a character that you're seeing on the internet. I'll definitely get your attention. You'll see my, you know, bells and whistles, but there's nothing better than spending live time with me.
0: Yeah, right, right. Okay, all right. We'll kick around some ideas on that another time, my friend, because uh, you're magnificent. So tell our viewers about your, your ideal client. Who, do you work with large companies? Do you work with small businesses, solopreneurs, service-based manufacturers, resellers? Give us an idea of who you serve.
1: Well, as I mentioned before, it's certain sort of campaigns that I know I can fulfill needs, but my ideal client is someone that calls me. <laughs> That's amazing that they found yeah. interesting. And second is that we can have no surprises. So we can share our thoughts and everybody can leave something on the table yeah. and that they take the time to meet my executive staff from floor manager, HR director, and CTO. And i don't want them writing me in bold cap or in red and i don't want them thinking that by dropping f bombs or by doing something that may work in your office will work in mine and i've had to make suggestions and only a few times i've had to end campaigns and it's not like I needed the money I'm doing just fine. I, I could lose a campaign. and It's not gonna turn my lights off but there might've been a certain tone that was done with either an agent, a supervisor, myself, I can handle it. You can do whatever you want with me as long as you, know, you really don't cross a certain line. But if you show somebody some sort of either and it's not disrespect, we, we, we have bone as well. We can handle shots. But if I know long term that this is going to be an issue or little by little, you're picking away at the labor law or your attrition rate is because of you, not because of me. You yelled at them. You cursed at them. You didn't you didn't take a walk with them. You haven't even eaten pizza with them. And all of a sudden you're telling them this now. And so it's very important for me to be on certain onboarding calls or when the client meets the agent for the first time. I don't need to be there for the next 10 years, but I represent my company. They work with me, a client's just a client. And so I believe in right bus, right seat. They definitely belong on my company, but maybe this is not the right environment for them. And I don't want them to leave or get fired. And so in the beginning, I have to lay certain ground rules for the client because they've never been here. They probably don't speak Spanish. They never run a call center. And even though you got 10 seats and you're dangling it in my face and you're a closer, doesn't matter, you're not a closer at all. You're an intimidator, you make attrition. Mm -hmm. And I don't like salespeople, I like people that educate. And once again, if you're not humble and realizing these people work with you, not for you, then I believe that we can start strong. Once they say they work for them. And and if he doesn't work, find me the guy next week. No, find me the guy next week. What are you psyching them out for? Why are you ruining it? Why can't we start strong with the people? Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, very, very good. So I just want to piggyback on something. So from a demographic standpoint, are your ideal companies of a certain size? Are they in English speaking companies? Are they manufacturing companies, service companies? It with be that. anything
1: I just don't like to take very high tech support, because if I can't personally do it on the phone it's difficult for me. Okay. And a lot of the companies do have specialists at corporate that handle those sort of accounts, what we take is usually overflow or if they're downsizing in the States because of the real estate. That's one thing, or if it's a brand new company that is scaling, but they just don't have the infrastructure to do it, and you were mentioning earlier my friend that in the United States. It's difficult to find people. It depends on the vocation. A lot of people in the United States see call centers as a transitional type of job while in Costa Rica, it's a second language. So there's that stimulation, but I did mention it's very lucrative. So somebody here can earn exceptionally well working at a call center. Mm
0: -hmm. I I like it. So do you you use social media for lead generation or? I mean, I do. do okay.
1: Okay. I'm quite heavy especially with Nearshore Central America telemarketing call center. I pop up, I'm very good that way. And, but it's really more towards referrals. I've had clients work with me that mention it to their friends or there are other organizations that I've joined without pitching anything. And people just through our friendship and knowledge sharing will then mention my abilities to somebody And then they will call me without knowing anything about offshoring, pricing, virtual. And it's more just connecting. And it's my pleasure because if a good friend of mine recommends someone, I'm gonna treat you better than I even do my friend. And um, how I've done this for 14 years, it's been a snowball's chance. And it's a one in a million shot where these stars became aligned. This should have never happened. How does a boy from Philly come to Costa Rica and start a call center? I don't know but this is what i do know it was positive reinforcement from this community from this country and from the agents that work with me and so as long as i have this sort of uh momentum right then i can understand what thriving is all about
0: there you go and i said 22 years it's 22 years in costa rica but 14 years as a company i want to make sure i got that right
1: That is correct. I worked at my friend's company for many years initially. And then when I realized I was mature enough and had a little bit of money saved, I was. saying, but you want to know the cool thing, Jeff, instead of starting off as a C-level executive and learning the finances and contracts, I started off as an agent. Uh, You know, I, I had skills, but I'm sitting with hundreds of in their mid twenties, Costa Ricans that are bilingual on the phone. And so I was 27. It was It was almost like 13th grade for me. I got one more chance to have fun post-grad of college. And um, I learned everything from retention, customer support, search engine optimization for affiliate management, human resources, onboarding and training. And I didn't say that my friend didn't do a good job, but I saw by being an agent and hearing the gripes, the good and the bad, how to enhance the experience. And so by taking that one in a million opportunity, obviously this was something I had to throw my hat in the ring and try. And and I started by, I know what you're thinking, oh no. I started by renting a seat. It was like a glorified internet cafe. And so for a couple hundred bucks a month, I was renting a turnkey station in a big room where I had no privacy and I was just ramping up seats. And then when I started getting about three or four dozen, I realized it didn't make financial sense to pay that sort of money, you know, thousands of dollars a month when I could rent my space, buy the equipment and build. And so after two years of doing that, I saved enough money to rent a space, put in 150 seats and build out a server room. And then six years later of those margins enabled me to build out a three floor building for 300 seats. So as much as I wanted to tell you about taking loans and mortgages and partners, I did it old school grandma way. I did it with cash because if you don't have it, then you don't do it. But it's not about the forward motion. What happened in 2010, and this is one of the bad things I did in business, was put all of my eggs in one basket. I went from 90 seats to four. I built it back up, obviously, but this is the one thing I did do. I had enough acorns to last that winter. So I saved more than enough money to weather that storm. I didn't have to beg, borrow, or steal. And I realized that that's part of business, the ups and the downs. And one of them is to to be financially stable. So I don't walk the rows yelling at people. If you take the account away, I can't pay my lights. Who wants to live like that? And so it might not be as flashy as you want it to be or risk-taking as you want it to be, but I was just double and tripling down On my business and slow and steady, and and that's why, my friend, you see the bricks behind me. There's also, you know, spiritual bricks that gave me a personal, financial, and business culture foundation in order for me to compete in such a competitive industry for so long. Oh yeah,
0: we could have a whole conversation just on that path. (laughs) We got
1: to have a part two one day, Jerry, when you come and visit me. I tell
0: you. My goodness. I mean, I, I'm almost breathless here because you have such depth in, in this capacity of entrepreneurship and leadership. And I just, I just again want to applaud you and acknowledge you for who you are and the stand that you are for the people in Costa Rica. I mean, you are such a, a blessing to that community. And I and I'm sure they all realize it as well.
1: Hey, dude, Jerry, and I appreciate that. But let me throw a compliment back at you for your brand forward leadership. Like, first you're like the nicest guy, that's number one. So I wanted to watch your show. You're so entertaining, I could sit through the show. <laughs> and it motivated me enough 3,000 miles away to write you. So it's not about what I'm doing. I'm the wind in your sails as you are to mine today by allowing me to be here with you and your audience. And so we are friends and we are gonna continue to be friends, and I cannot wait to put this episode on my Facebook fan page and introduce you to a new fan base in Central America. And so it goes both ways, my friend, as much as I'm impressing you today, I gave you a good show and I'm glad I did. But on the flip side, you have done such great work prior to me being here. And and everybody sees it looks easy, right, Jerry? Look at you today, but nobody saw what you've done off camera. All that dedicated practice you did, all yeah. the preparation you did in the last 30 years to get to where you are today. So I applaud that as well, my friend.
0: Thank you so much. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> That's great. Thank
1: Please you. do. It. Come on, you'll get better. Rated.
0: <laughs> well, listen, for our viewers and listeners that are out there who are loving this and want to learn more about you and want to get in touch with you, exactly what steps should they take?
1: First is they buy a first class plane ticket and fly to Costa Rica. That's number one. But if you can't do that today, feel free to give me a call. Triple Eight 271-6750. You may shoot me an email, CEO at Costa Rica. One more Rica. time. Say that number
0: again, one more time. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I apologize. Triple eight 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 two seven one six seven five zero. My email address, CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And Jerry, if I may make a suggestion, and you will be there very soon when this goes live, that I have a Facebook fan page, Costa Rica's Call Center, about 97,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. It will give you a pulse on the business process outsourcing industry in Costa Rica, our our democratic society, no standing army, 95% literacy rate, infrastructure. And so that's why we're a powerhouse in the BPO industry. And so not only will you see what's happening here with the call centers, you also see what's going on after hours and we're so much fun. And so please take a look at that page. And when Jerry's there, make sure to like it as well. So everybody see he's the man and um, and that's it, my friend.
0: Now, can they find you on social media anywhere? Facebook, LinkedIn, blah, blah,
1: blah. If you put in the number one telemarketing trainer, you'll find me. No, really <laughs> if, uh, if you go to Costa Rica call center telemarketing, Costa Rica anything that is revolving around my industry, or even pinball machines, Costa Rica, you will find me because I'm very big in gamification. It's imperative that the agents play the games here and make friends.
0: Woo, wow, wow, wow. Well, listen. Thank you again for your time and everything you shared. I look forward to our friendship, our future connection. I look forward to, to getting to Costa Rica. <laughs> We're going to hang out. I mean, I'm looking forward to it and see how I can support you and what you're doing. And to our viewers, thank you for being here. You've got all of his contact information. And until next time, this is Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the Brandon evangelist, signing off. Take care. Foster here thank you so much for listening to my brand Ford leadership podcast now if you if you are a successful service-based entrepreneur yourself and you've got amazing expertise I mean services skills talents and abilities that you offer through your company or yourself and you've been in business for five ten years or more and you would like to be a guest on this program I would love to have you. Simply visit jerryfosterbranding.com forward slash brand forward leadership forward slash apply. And I will certainly check you out and get to know you and so on and so forth. Now, let me just add a couple of other things. Number one, if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media for me? And if so, just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your socials okay and number two if you know someone that you feel would be a great guest someone that i should meet and connect with and so on and so forth tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag brand for leadership because i love seeing your posts i love guest suggestions that's how we all grow that's how we all connect and make it through this world, which are through our relationships and our connections. And lastly, let me throw this in. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. I'm always on the lookout for not only great guests, but great content. And so therefore, because we're always putting great new stuff out, juicy stuff, make sure you don't miss any episodes in the future. So please go ahead and subscribe. And I also love what? I love support. I love love. (laughs) So your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. So if you can find it in your heart to go ahead and show me that kind of support and love, I would really appreciate it. And on a second note, if you would like to know more about me, the work that I do. Simply go to my website at jerryfosterbranding.com or follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook at Jerry Foster Branding or Instagram at Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Okay, Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Again, thanks for listening. Until we see you the next time.